Welcome to the Profitable Accountant Podcast. I'm your host, Reza Huda, practice owner, coach, and mentor to accounting firm owners. In this podcast, I share practical strategies to get new clients, charge higher prices, and build a profitable accounting firm that you're proud of. From time to time, I also interview other accountants doing incredible things so you can learn what's working and take tangible takeaways to implement. Make sure you press the follow button on your podcast player so you get notified when I release a new episode. Now, on to today's session. Hello, hope you're well. Have a good start to the day. Enjoying the British sunshine, if the sun has appeared at all in uh, recent days, because uh, it's been somewhat lacking in the months of July and August, hasn't it? Anywho, today I want to talk about why I don't hire trainees in my practice. Now, you might be thinking here, oh, yeah, what's uh, what are the reasons why? Maybe you've got trainees, maybe you've hired trainees and they've worked out okay. So this is purely, obviously, based on my personal experiences and some thoughts I have around the uh, different options that we have available to us now in terms of being able to recruit talent at the required level to support the, let's say, the more activities and work that we would give to junior members of staff, namely outsourcing and offshoring, but also because of the experiences I've had had over the years recruiting trainees as a small firm. So this is by all means, if you are recruiting trainees and it's worked out well for you, then that's fantastic. I'm not here to tell you that don't recruit them ever again, but just to give you my personal opinion and kind of, uh, you know, an an independent view of uh, what I've found and my experiences of working with other accountants who are in the same sector as us. So if you're listening to this, you're probably a small accounting firm owner. You're probably either a solo practitioner or you're a you know two to three partner firm. And either you're working on your own or you've got uh, anywhere between two and say 20 employees, I am guessing. In that case, these are the reasons why I think that recruiting trainees is not a generally necessarily a bad idea, but not a great idea given the alternatives that we have available to us. Okay, so what do I mean by that? Let's get stuck in. The first reason is because trainees, let's face it, require a lot of training. As for small firms, we don't really have, you know, the budget, the ability to let our people potentially go away for weeks on end to study, like perhaps, you know, I did when I was at PwC. I trained with PwC. They do these things all the time. They get the pick of the graduates and they put them through these graduate training programs in the hope that a small minority of them will stay on. And that's exactly what happened. When I trained with PwC, I was maybe one of... Just in my office in Birmingham where I trained, there was probably an intake of... There was only about eight in the tax department, which is where I started. And a little bit of backstory on that. I decided to apply to tax because I thought it would be easier to get into. Because everybody else was applying for audit. Although they didn't call it audit at the time. They called it assurance. The reason being is because they wanted to make it a bit grander than what it actually entailed. And to make it sound as if it's, you know, uh, business advisory type stuff that you'll be doing to lure the graduates into uh, applying for audit. So most people applied for audit and that's where they take the big intake of numbers. I applied for tax purely because I thought it'd be easier to get in. So, uh, but in hindsight, I'm, you know, it was, it was a great decision to make, uh, but that wasn't my motivation for applying to tax. My motivation was purely and simply because tax actually sounds boring when you're a graduate and you have no idea what it actually entails. It sounds boring, but thankfully it turned out that tax turned out to be actually quite interesting and it was audit that turned out, about re- turned out to be really boring and all my colleagues that started in 
audit, there was very few of them left at the end of that three-year term. And that's what typically happens in a big firm. They recruit, you know, dozens of dozens of, of people, of graduates, lure them in, but and get them through the three years, get them to do all the donkey work for three years, and then most of it, 90% of the people who started in audit left and went into industry or moved into tax or moved into corporate finance or moved into any other department apart from audit. And only the serious auditors kind of carried on, became managers, etc. So, um, so what do you need? So, so in terms of the budget required in terms of time and money is 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 substantial and for a small practice like ours or maybe a small practice like yours i think there are better ways of spending our money and so my tactic or my strategy has been to not recruit trainees anymore so i will you know i i'm in favor of recruiting people who already have some years of experience under the belt who can manage a portfolio of clients uh, so at manager level if you can't quite afford the salaries of a manager then at least somebody with some experience maybe a year two three years of experience of working in a practice maybe they've got AAT level two and three under their belt so they can come in and actually be useful to you that you don't have to start from scratch teaching them everything because the other reason why I don't like recruit to recruit uh, trainees is the risk involved so the risk factor involved in training somebody up taking them through the AAT for example giving them all that uh, support in terms of study support and the time in terms of training them and they stay with you for two or three years or maybe not even that um, then they decide to leave because they think that it's not for them. And that's what I found, that you get a lot of churn with trainees because, let's face it, a lot of young people who come in as trainees, they don't really know whether accounting is for them. Unless you've been really lucky and have found those people that uh, decided to do accounting and have always wanted to do accounting and love it and have a passion for it and they want to stay in it forever on end and they've turned out to be fantastic recruits for you, then brilliant. But I think those few people are kind of few and far between when you look at it in terms of a statistical analysis and the probability of the trainee or the person that you hire who has picked accounting but really doesn't know whether it's suitable for them or not knowing that that is the thing that they want to do for you know a substantial time in their life so there's the a is the the budgetary amount involved in terms of time and money spent in hiring them b is the risk factor the c is the actual you know the training time required is colossal so they don't actually become useful to you until they've gone through a you know a period of at least you know six to nine to maybe even 12 months of uh, shadowing you of working under someone which again takes uh, time away from your people so if you've got people in the practice already and they've got portfolio of work to do then having to train somebody else in terms of your way of doing things again that takes time and capacity away from your people so that's what I've kind of shied away in the past. Although that said, we have one employee who did come to us as a trainee uh, called Matthew about six years ago. He came on board when um, I didn't have this thinking. Well, we just we man, he was a the son of uh, someone that um, you know, kind of family friend or you know, fam- a painter actually, <laughs> a painter that we use who kind of became a, a friend who uh, is very good at what he does. And we recruited him, and he's turned out to be fantastic. He was a maths graduate, and uh, he's still with us today but apart from that we've gone through many a trainee in the past who've kind of come and stayed on for a bit and then left because decided that it's not for them and I've then taken the view that 
I let the big firms, let the big firms take the risk, let the big firms who've got the budget spend the time to train these people and then we'll pick them up, you know, when uh, they realise that uh, it's not great working for the big firms because they make them work crazy long hours, they make them do timesheets, it's not a very nice place to work. So then we then pick the cream of the crop uh, by making our culture such that we attract the people who are overworked and stressed out and don't get satisfaction in their job roles. That, you know, and 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 uh, what's the word? Uh, entwined or whatever in the politics of working in bigger firms, and we lure them with our way of working. That we have created a great culture, which um, you know gives you the, that autonomy to work when, where, and how you want. As all the work gets done, you're working as a genius. You're working with great people, and uh, yeah, you're you you're uh, you know you'll love it where we are compared to where you are now, and you get all the flexibility that you want, providing that the results are produced and the work is done. So that's my preference, and also the other kind of the alternative that we have these days with the rise of uh, offshoring in particular. So offshoring, as you know, if you've listened to previous episodes, is where you have a member that is based offshore, typically in, say, the Philippines or India or Pakistan, that is your employee. So for all intents and purposes, they are assigned to you. You give them work, you direct and control them with what they do, which is not like outsourcing is when you engage an outsourcing company and they will have a team of people and you give them work and they will tend to turn around that work. So, but they can choose as to who is assigned to that work. I've, I've used outsourcing, I've used offshoring. I've mentioned the differences in a previous episode. We have got now two offshore employees. We've just hired another one. They're both based in the Philippines and they're fantastic. And the reason why I prefer getting uh, offshore employees is for a few reasons. One being the massive cost difference. I mean, you can hire someone in the Philippines for less than half the cost that you would a trainee with zero experience. You can get someone with many, many years experience in the Philippines for half the price that you could a trainee here in the UK. Secondly is that they are really loyal, they're very hardworking, they've got a very solid work ethic. Now that's not to say that anyone based in the UK doesn't, clearly they do, but you know by and large from what I've seen in terms of young people these days, from our experiences, in terms of the pool of talent that we have available at that level, because let's face it we're not uh, you know we're not a big four brand, we're not a big ten brand, so it's hard to compete with those and therefore you know it's been hit and miss in terms of getting people to get excited about working for your firm, a small accountancy firm, um, and therefore, you know, you're probably not getting the cream of the trainees that perhaps the big four and the big ten can with the with the brand behind them. So, uh, and the other reason for the offshore employees is that they come sometimes with a wealth of experience. So one of our uh, offshore team members is a qualified accountant, albeit qualified with the CPA, the uh, American qualification, but a fantastic in terms of what we expect them to do, which is basically managing bookkeeping. They've got 10, 15 years experience. Uh, so they come with a lot of experience, which means that we don't have to train them in actually doing bookkeeping work. The foundation is already there. They've already done the work. We don't have to train them in zero. We don't have to train them in uh, indexed or other software that we use or ha- teach them double entry and uh, worry that they don't quite have those foundations or their uh, underlying skills are flaky. They already have those fundamentals in place, which means they can hit the ground running. All we need to, to do is get them working in our way and then teach them the, the, the nuances to do with specific uh, UK 
issues and matters. So that's why I favor offshore versus onshore. Now you might say that, oh, you know, you're taking jobs away from the UK economy. Well, no, not because the majority of our people are based in the UK. And my strategy going forward is that that will continue to be the case that we will have client facing people based in the UK, client managers based in the UK. Uh, so I believe that um, absolutely, you know, we've got a team of, uh, our team isn't huge for the kind of the, the quantum of fees that we carry our team is not huge so we've got I think eight people in the UK or maybe seven in the UK not Karen Doris Brendan Tracy Rakesh Matthew Adam Zena eight there's eight people in the UK and two people offshore so we're eight people in the UK so there we are we've got 80 20 split and uh, but in terms of growth so as we grow yes there will come a point that we'll need to take on board another client manager to deal with the new clients that we're bringing on board but they will then be uh, the next level so as we bring on a client manager we'll then give them support via an offshore employee so every client manager will then have access to as they get to capacity we'll then give them a maximum of two offshore individuals who will then support them in the delivery of client service on their portfolio so there's some of the reasons why I don't favor taking on trainees to recap that is the the cost and time it takes to train them the risk of actually them staying with you in the long term and uh, the last reason was is the the kind of the better more uh, attractive uh, alternative really with when it comes to uh, hiring kind of somebody at that level to do that kind of work but and being able to do so with uh, an offshore employee so based in the Philippines who already has the experience already has a know-how and uh, who is uh, very loyal and um, you can get for half the price so there are some of my reasons why I don't hire trainees but I appreciate that um, this is a, a very personal area and you might think differently and if you do i'd love to hear let me know your thoughts on linkedin send me a message as to what you think about this whether you have some uh, very uh, strong or passionate views either way i know some accountants are very anti-offshoring or anti-outsourcing and they want to keep everything in the uk but you know the the fact of the matter is that we live in a, a global village now we live in a day and age where you know the world is small you know we can work uh, who who cares whether your employee is based in Plymouth, Portsmouth or the Philippines now? You know, clients don't care. All they care about is that the work gets done. And um, yeah, so it's, it's all about kind of getting the, the best people that you can on board your team to deliver the best service to your clients uh, in the most cost effective way for you as a practice owner. And I found that to be a mixture of both onshore and offshore uh, team members, which works really well. Anyway, I uh, hope you found that useful. If you did, uh, do, uh, if you haven't already, please do rate and review the podcast or Apple podcast. It would mean the world to me. And then send a screenshot of it to me. I'd really appreciate it. Or post it on social media. Share this podcast or on your social media. Say you're listening to it. Uh, it would help me out. And uh, I would really appreciate you doing that. As always, uh, take care. Have a great rest of the weekend. And I'll catch up with you on the next episode. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. If you want to spend more time together, get access to me personally for your questions, access to resources and training that will help you to shortcut your progress together with being part of an incredible community of accountants or helping each other, then come and join the pack, the Profitable Accountants Community. There's a hundred plus accountants that I mentor and they help each other to get results faster than trying to do it alone. Go to reshooter.com forward slash mentoring to learn more or message me directly on LinkedIn. Take care.